Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins. Today I'm joined by three friends. First, project manager for Complexly, Marianne Fernandez-Silva. Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Excellent. Video maker for SciShow, Bill Mead. Hi. How's it going? Pretty well. Excellent. And we have writer and professor at the University of Montana, Tobin Addington. Hello. And you also have your own podcast. I do. The Contenders. I, it is. Uh, today we are jumping into uh, one of the more recent movies we've dealt with. This is 2016, I believe. And it is the fifth Terminator film, the fourth Terminator sequel. And there's another one coming out. <laughs> Very soon, which I have heard good things about. Um, there's a, a lot to talk about and unpack with the Terminator franchise in general. We'll try to keep that to a minimum because I want to focus more on this film. But uh, there are some definite things we need to talk about with each of us and our exposure to this franchise. If you are following us on Patreon, uh, you know that I love the Terminator because that first movie was super important to me and I did a commentary on it. So if you're at the $20 level, you can listen to me talk about the Terminator while you're watching the Terminator. Um, and James Cameron himself just has a huge, a huge swath of my early film love comes from J James Cameron films. So that's where we are. But today we are talking about Terminator Genisys. <laughs> the most. There was an era where we misspelled titles in mm. a lot of things, and just to, I don't know why it's misspelled here. They missed it by like fifteen years. That era they did. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. like the early two thousands, I think. But this this is Terminator Genesis, and it uh, there's a lot going on here. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, Tobin, you haven't been on in a while, so you're going to do our 60-second plot dump. I had to write something down because, <laughs> because <laughs> I, otherwise I would just get lost in it. So let's see how we do. Look, there's a lot happening in this movie. <laughs> there so is. A lot this, of moving parts. This here. is not a movie that I would look at and go, you know, oh, it's boring. Like it's, that's, I don't think that's this movie's problem. Anyway. Okay, here we go. 60-second plot dump for Terminator Genisys in three, two, one. All right, a scrappy human resistance is on the verge of winning a war against the robot apocalypse. Their messianic leader, John Connor, sends his second-in-command, Kyle Reese, back in time to 1984 so he can play out the plot of the first Terminator movie. His job is to protect John's mother, Sarah Connor, from a human-killing robot who's been sent back to murder her. Oh, uh, also, Kyle doesn't know it, but he's supposed to fall in love with her and have sex with her so that he can father this savior of mankind. Okay, so something goes wrong, and when Kyle arrives in the past, everything's changed. Now, the old Terminator is protecting Sarah from a newer model, and Sarah herself is a weapon-toting, wise-cracking warrior. There's a bunch of techno-babble, bad, bad tough-guy dialogue, some generic action sequences, and our heroes head to the future, to 2017, to stop the robot apocalypse from happening in the first place. John shows up, but he turns out to be a human-machine hybrid, now working to bring about the apocalypse. There's more fighting, more dialogue, less and less of it makes sense, until there's an explosion at the end, followed by a stupid code and a mid credit scene for a sequel we will mercifully never have to talk about on this podcast. Dang. That wow. was really Man, you good. Nice. You nailed that. You also gave the movie way more credit than I would have in that summary. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so I don't know quite now how I want to do this. I think, Tobin, since you've already been talking, I want to start with, <laughs> okay. I, before we talk about our feelings about this movie, 
I, I just want to talk about our histories with the Terminator and the Terminator franchise and just sort of so you don't need to talk about this movie as we go around the table, just sort of the Terminator overall. So Tobin, what's your history with this? I saw the first Terminator movie way too young. My dad showed me a TV, at a, we were watching it on TV one night, I was probably like five or six, I was very young and it freaked me out. I, was, I couldn't finish it. There was, some of the body horror stuff was too much for me, but that lodged into my mind. There were moments and scenes that I sort of, that lingered. Um, and then, so I watched it when I was older and then as T2 came out, that was big. I was just at the right age for that sort of to be a, a big thing. And I've not seen, I had not seen this movie or Salvation. Uh, I'd only seen the first two Terminator movies. Oh, you didn't see Rise of the Machines? The no, third Rise one? of the Machines. Or the third one? See, yeah. I didn't see any of them past T2. Oh, so this is the first sequel you've jumped this into. The first, the first non-Cameron Exa- exactly. Yep. Right. 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 Okay. Exactly. All right. And you, do you appreciate the first two? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's. I mean, we. We. You and I have an understanding about James Cameron. We do. Yes. <laughs> he was important in my childhood as well. Maybe not as as important as it was in yours, but for sure, those first two movies are pretty magical. I think you had a much wider exposure to stuff than I did because <laughs> my family was also way into James Cameron. Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it was very very honed in for me, Bill. Tell us about your experience with the Terminator franchise. Uh, like I was talking about this with Matt Gatos and he and I both had something in common in that we both started on the second movie in this like saga, this epic saga now, which awesome. is totally doable, frankly, which is doable, but also way too young. It, it, <laughs> we basically agreed that it was a rated R children's movie in a good way. Uh, and then, you know, going back as I've grown up to sort of appreciate these movies, I did go back and see the first one. I actually watched it the first two again this week for this podcast. And I, you know, three, four happened. And, you know, obviously my interest in it sort of waned. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable, right? <laughs> now, Marianne, here's the interesting thing, because we talked about this uh, late last week as we were coming uh-huh. up with this movie. Yeah. What's your experience with the Terminator franchise? Nothing. Well, now that's not true. <laughs> but... uh, no, that's not true. So uh, I've never seen um, a Terminator movie. The most like, I mean, obviously I live in a world where Terminator mm-hmm. is kind of prevalent in pop culture. That sure. I'll be back. It's, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger is like probably his most iconic role. Um, so like, I yeah, kind of yeah, peripherally definitely. know it. Like there's definitely other ones that he's known for, but like, no, but this that's... is the one, um, the main one. Um, it was the only, maybe one of two movies that my dad had on Laserdisc was <laughs> T2. Um, but I never saw it. I just like saw the cover and that was it. And I went on the ride in Universal, which I think is also based on T2. But like, that's it. Yeah, it, it's mm-hmm. like, well... Okay, so there's a ride, and then there's like a theatrical experience 3D thing. No, that's the same, the same thing. thing? Okay, because yeah. it's it's more of like uh, Nicole and I were talking about this. It's like an experience. Like when there are explosions, they have actors and stuff running through the lines. Yeah, and explosions are sprinklers. They have like something to make it feel like you're being pelted with like debris. Yeah. Wow. I only went yeah. like once or twice. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is going to be an interesting conversation because. This particular film relies very heavily on pulling from those first two movies, Mm -hmm. specifically the first one, really. But um, we'll get back to that. So my experience is pretty – I've already talked a little bit about it. Um, I absolutely love those first two films. I really love the first one. And I love it – every time I talk about why I love a movie, a lot of times it comes back to I feel like a movie that mixes genres well – 
for some reason activates parts of my brain that I absolutely love. And the Terminator is this wonderful cross of um, science fiction and horror that without calling it out, like it, it's a monster movie. It's a slasher movie. Um, you know, you could even err on the side of like a Friday the 13th supernatural slasher movie, but it's a sci- it's a hard sci-fi movie too. And, and I just, I love that. I love Cameron's sensibilities, especially for his first few films. Um, I love how plainly it's shot. It's like, there's no frills to it. It is a very straightforward story. Well told. Um, I love the performers in it. I love all of them. I love Schwarzenegger. I love um, uh, Michael Bean. And of course, Linda Hamilton, uh, all of the I think it's just and even his supporting characters in those first two films are just off the charts. Very good. I think I've said this in the commentary that James Cameron had no right as a first time feature filmmaker to make something that good. <laughs> That's my opinion of that film. It is it is so competently made for a first time low budget filmmaker to just come out of the gate and and do that that it's just I still look at it and I'm impressed even though some of the makeup doesn't hold up anymore um some of the the animatronics they don't they were at the time they were really cheap but they they had such uh Stan Winston uh who if you don't know who Stan Winston is go look him up he's amazing um but Stan Winston and James Cameron just put something together that I think is almost timeless I really like T2 I think T2 is one of the best action movies to come out of that era and it still holds up and again it has to do with how Cameron shoots his action sequences. And so like the really impactful for me, just in terms of storytelling, in terms of genre bending and in terms of um, getting good performances out of your actors in this ridiculous um, action thriller horror thing. So those very important films for me. And I typically go back to them when I'm thinking of when I'm having a problem with a scene or I'm writing something, I'm like, I'm going to go back to the Terminator. Mm-hmm. It's like, what would James Cameron do? Not now. I don't go back to James Cameron 2000 <laughs> pose avatar forward. I don't go back to James Cameron. I, there, there's, there's no point. And like many, I mean, I think he's not middle-aged. He's definitely older now, <laughs> like many old white men. We need to step back and sit down and maybe not talk out of turn as much as we do. Uh, Cause he's doing a lot of that, but that's my Terminator experience. It really, really is important to me. So <laughs> I've never finished Terminator 3. I've started it a couple of times and it's, I don't think it is bad. I just sort of like, I don't care. Mm. I, I just, there's something about this that I don't care about. Mm. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as it relates to Terminator Genesis. Um, I had a lot of hope for Terminator Salvation. I thought it was a neat idea. That movie is not good. It, 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 I'm not saying it's horrible. It has some good ideas in it. It, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a headache inducing movie. I think is one of the problems I have with it. Um, and it falls into another problem that Terminator Genesis has, which is you have one twist in the movie, one twist. And it's a, it's kind of a big twist and you give it away in the trailer. There's no surprise uh, in Terminator Salvation, and there's no surprise in Terminator Genesis unless you just didn't watch any of the trailers, which is very possible. So that brings us to today. I saw Terminator Salvation, or sorry, Terminator Genesis about two years ago when it first came to streaming and didn't have high hopes for it because I had heard a lot of, you know, bad word about it. And 
really like my brain revolted against the movie as I was watching it that first time. I had a I wasn't posting as much on Twitter as I do now. I was posting more on Facebook and there's this thread of me posting <laughs> ridiculous things about this movie as I was going through it. And honestly, I'm going to say that first reaction was not completely fair. <laughs> Because watching it again this time, I had a better time. Okay. I, I kind of enjoyed elements in it. And, and I I still think it has problems, but I think this is – I don't think this movie is as bad as its reputation, but I am willing to be talked <laughs> – I'm willing to argue about it. Okay. Um, I think that it's just – my personal opinion really is just trying to do too many things. And as a result of – age and casting it is also trying to reintroduce us to too many things all at the same time Mm -hmm. so it ends up just being like you sit there at the screen just going what 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 no no what and that was my experience this time yeah so this is where we are let's talk tobin (laughs) only watching terminator one and two which are the only terminators you need to watch to understand (laughs) this movie what was your experience with Terminator Genesis? I also had the I, I knew that it had a bad reputation. You know, when as it came out, the reviews were not good. Nobody that I knew who saw it liked it. I mean, there was no. Sometimes I have students who will like things that I think probably aren't very good. But even sure. the students who saw it were like, "Don't bother." <laughs> um, and it, to me, it felt so. So I I went with extremely low expectations and was mildly surprised that I didn't. It wasn't sort of fingernails on a chalkboard. So, which is not, you know, that's not a great recommend. It's not what you want on your poster. <laughs> no, no. This is not nails on a chalkboard. Tobin Addington. But I was surprised by some of the ideas in it that I thought were kind of interesting. It did feel like too much attempts at fan service. Yeah. Too much attempts at, if because if, again, I've not seen the previous two sequels, but I, I could feel sort of suits saying, what did the last ones not give the, the people that they wanted? Let's give them all that stuff. And like cram a bunch of that connections to previous movies and stuff in into the into the thing, which which may or may not be fair uh, to the way the movie was made. But um, you know, it, there's a lot of generic stuff in it. There's a lot of bad dialogue in it. There's some casting issues that are, in my view, there's some real bad casting really issues. Really there's, bad. There's some real bad casting issues, really, you guys. Which alone might have elevated the whole thing quite a bit. So um, yes, but but I did not I didn't I did not hate the experience of watching it. It was kind of at, at worst I was I was a little sort of um, at best I was distanced distanced and fascinated and at worst I was kind of like maybe a little bored. Um, sure. but it was it didn't make me mad. That's another good pull quote. This movie didn't make me mad. <laughs> Peter Travers. <Yeah. laughs> Roger Ebert gives it eh. <laughs> Bill uh, had you I, seen this before? I had actually, I, I think I had watched this also two years ago, like you, when it came out on streaming and I was also more turned off by it then. This experience, because we're doing it for a podcast about bad movies, I was able to put myself in that mindset of this is going to be stupid for two hours, by the way. This is two hours long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is going to be two <laughs> stupid hours, but I can have fun with this. So my wife and I watched it. And I, I think I'm agreeing with the notes so far going around. The the fan service was a little, I think some of it was necessary, but some of it was also very off-putting. The, the story progression, there was too much explanation of what was going on, if that makes any sense, because they were making decisions. It almost seemed like on the fly. And I now... Unfortunately, because we're in this, you know, the, the Marvel era of cinema, yeah, I get kind of bored by certain action set pieces, 
and I got bored by a lot of action scenes in this movie. It's there, there's a lot of stuff going on that has very few consequences. And an, oh yeah, that's a big point of contention I have. Yeah, they get dropped. They get hit by a car that is probably doing what. 60 miles an hour mm-hmm. they're fine mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. crash every mode of transportation be- except a boat in this movie yeah and they're just sort of like uh-huh. dusting themselves off yeah. Ooh, was, a- was there a also, boat <laughs> no I was trying to track all the other ones is there there's not a train oh yeah there you no, go. that's a good point yeah, yeah. not a train, okay. not say a train. Um, my personal favorite though was when uh, the bus rolled over and <laughs> uh, Reese was just like standing in the back aisle and comes out without a scratch I'm like nope no, it rolled over multiple times. <laughs> and like, the no, this is an interesting juxtaposition because that's one of the things we talked about this with the Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about it again with Terminator and Terminator 2 mm-hmm. is the idea of consequences. Like mm-hmm. what is happening? There are consequences mm-hmm. to somebody gets shot. They don't just shrug it off. Mm-hmm. Like there's a point where uh, Sarah Connor is shot in Terminator 2 and like that stays with her mm-hmm. and it's bad. Yeah. Like yeah. it is not good. And so it was a weird cartoony thing mm-hmm. that these characters are just kind of bouncing around. They were, they were all Terminators. Yeah, they, yeah. exactly. Right, they were right. all indestructible. All right. And I don't want to give one thing away too early, but one thing I liked about the first two movies was is there was a lot of questions about like morality and like, oh my God, I'm this normal person who's going to you know give birth yeah. to the savior of humanity. And in this one, uh, I'm just going to say it, savior of humanity is a robot. Actually, you said it earlier. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't deal with that in the way that the first two would. And I, I thought like, no, because they thought they were going to have sequels. They thought they were going to have sequels, mm-hmm. but I mean, they go, Oh my God, you're a robot. Bang, 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 bang. And this, by the way, is their son. And as a dad, if my son, you know, came back as a, a robot zombie, there's zombies in this movie, basically. Uh, I have some, I'd have to deal with it. You know? Yeah. I, wait, okay. But, but, Let's say I have a son. Yeah. I don't have one now. But he comes back from the future. But he comes back from the future and says, I'm your son. But then he turns out to be a murder bot. I'm going to shoot him. Yeah, there's no like connection. I don't have any connection. No connection. Well, he did have a connection with John. With Reese. John Connor saved Reese as a child. We see mm-hmm. that in the prologue. Right. And, True, but and Reese was a little, more, and Reese was was a little a more hesitant. Little. He was like, wait, we yeah. could probably save him. And Sarah was but, the one she's like, no, bang, bang, bang. Right. <laughs> oh, I think I agreed with Sarah then. Okay. Yeah, I agree with Sarah. <laughs> but you're right. They, do, they don't deal with it in any kind of way that feels meaningful. It, there's like some lip service to, this yeah. is so hard. This is so hard. But then that, that it's not, it's not at all felt. I didn't feel right. it at all. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Marianne, not having seen Terminator, Terminator two or any of the others. How, what was your experience with this movie? <laughs> um, so the one thing, the big thing that I realized and has nothing to do with my experience with this movie specifically is that I hate time travel. In oh, movies or I can, narrative. Yeah, I, 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 I can be on board for I that. I hate it. I hate it so much. It is so, like, especially in... So, actually, this movie, I didn't... Mm, <laughs> I didn't hate it quite as much as I would other movies. But objectively, really? time travel is a thing that bothers me because it's mm. like, well, if that thing... If that person went back in time to fix this thing, then it never mm. happened. Therefore, there's no reason for that person to go back in time, right? Like, you just get caught in an endless loop. Right, yeah, right, right. Um, fun fact, Harry Potter is one of the only, like, s- places where you find, like, that storytelling mechanic. And I'm like, okay, it's okay with it because it was 
you're, it's implied that it's always meant to happen. Mm-hmm. Same thing for Doctor Who because it's just like he just time travels, but he never crosses himself over again. Fun fact. But yeah. Don't get that, me no, started on Harry Potter, okay? Well, the time travel. Yeah, that specifically. Aspect. Where the hell did that thing go that could solve any problem? Right. In, that, part of it, that part of it is a problem, <laughs> but whatever. Anyway. It's not this movie. That's a good point. Um, but aside from that, I was like, oh – Interesting. I actually kind of like the fact, and I don't know how and like how anyone feels about this, but that like when Kyle Reese goes back in time, Sarah is just like so different and like the world is different. And I, I really like that. And I'm like, yes, because time travel has consequences. If you change one thing, it changes everything. Um, but I also liked that idea. That part mm-hmm. I liked. Yeah. Uh, the rest of it, I was like, OK, it's fine. The movie as a whole, I'm like, ah, I could take it or leave it. I have no emotional connection to anything. I got a little annoyed that like Sarah fell in love with Kyle, Kyle again. And then they're just like, all right, well, I guess we can just like keep going and have this baby anyway. I would have been like, well, maybe just don't have a baby and see what happens. <laughs> Adopt a daughter instead. <laughs> we, we were saying like Jen, Jenna had an idea where if at the end they realize like they're pregnant with a girl. That, that would, would be, be that would be would a like better mid credits. Yeah. Tag, I would like that. Yeah, that's a that's a little bit of a jump in time, but I'm yeah, okay with it though. It. Yeah, it's okay because this movie has about eight different jumps in Let's time. Let's talk about t- well, <laughs> oh, actually, hold on. <laughs> I don't want to cut you off. No, here. that's it. Is it okay? That's how I feel. I'm done. <laughs> Let's like, talk what? about narrative use of time travel for a second. <laughs> mm. Why does it work in some movies and not others? I guess is the big thing I have, and I I even though I've thought about this a lot, I don't have a good. Necess- necessarily a good grasp on it because sometimes it can be really fun mm-hmm. and exciting back to the future mm-hmm. like th- the logic of back to the future does not work like if you try to get into the, the idea of time travel it's, it, it doesn't work the logic of um, a lot of time travel movies don't work um, one of the best things about the first Terminator is the fact that it's never really fully explained right. and you have right. a character who they're trying to interrogate who doesn't know what the machine was. He's in an, he's being interrogated by police. It's a great scene. Marianne, trust me. Cool. Um, <laughs> Sweet. Uh, where the police are investigating him and they've got a psychologist in there kind of going, well, why didn't you bring a gun or something? And he's like, I something about the magnetic fields and skin. I don't know. And they're like, right. well, then what was it? And he has the best time travel line in the history of time travel movies where he just looks at him and says, I didn't build the fucking thing. He just got sent. And that's all he knows. So that's all we know. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it hands off. Right. You know, we don't have to yeah. worry about it. Um, but Back to the Future, it works. There are some time travel movies where it does work. And then in here, I feel like the time travel steps into problems. For instance, let's go back or let's go forward. I don't know exactly like 30 minutes before they need to be there. Yeah, Th- that kind that of thing. Problem. Tobin's head is going to come off. It's like it's a bobble head. He's turned into a bobble head. I don't know. What do you? Is, uh, the, why does the time travel in this movie fall apart so badly? I I can think of issues I had with it. One, the first two movies never showed any time travel device or apparatus. It's you see the Terminators or the people land where they are. And that's sort of the mystery. And the lore of Terminator as it goes is, is they were sent back right when the humans were to, about to f- defeat the machines. Yes. And then the machines are just sore losers and sent a Terminator back first. 
Terminator yes. 2 does kind of skew with this because it was implied the time machine was destroyed, but then James Cameron himself kind of ignored his own rule. Yeah. But I... And this is the weird thing. Because that is such a good film, mm-hmm. we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> yeah. And that's fine. You can you can mess with things. But Terminator 1 and 2, uh, the heroes and the villains are sent back to the that era, that respect. So Terminator 1 is 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terminator 2 was made in 91, but I think it's set later than that, but not by much. I could be well, wrong. Yeah, John Connor's age doesn't work if you just it do it as the, the amount of time that's passed. But Terminator 5, you see the future, which I wanted to see more of. He goes back to 1984, spins a hot minute there. You don't really have, like, th- that's another problem I'll have that I'll talk about later. But they spent a hot minute in 1984 before deciding they're going to travel back to 1997. No, they're not because Kyle Reese is having like visions, time, right, time right. dreams, time memories. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to 2017. So again, it could be quote unquote modern. But that's it's like you you're not spending time anywhere. Then you've you've already time traveled three times in this movie. We haven't enjoyed what it's like to be in the 80s. They're well, they skipped the 90s, so I guess they didn't travel that many times. Uh, we're in 2017, which we already exist in and we're, we don't want to see that. Well, everybody has a time <laughs> machine too. Yeah. Everyone's right. got one. This is the other problem that like you have a time machine in the future. Then the Terminator mm-hmm. in 1984 that's guarding over mm-hmm. pops. She calls him pops. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was guarding over Sarah has built a time machine mm-hmm. and then somehow John Connor has a time machine and has built another one in 2017. Yeah. That doesn't quite work yet, but right. th- it will. Right. And then you have some... He's Miles Dyson's son. Yes. Miles Dyson was a very smart individual. I do not believe his son would look somebody in the eyes and go, once we've mastered time travel. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? What is what is what is his goal? That like, plays, I understand what yeah. John Connor's goal is. Like, that makes at least a little bit of nefarious sense. Mm-hmm. What He's an app developer. Yeah, that, that's something that plays in a, a thing I like about sci-fi movies is, is when they're on the verge of discovery or have created this mass device. They don't appreciate the other things they seem to have. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... Or have it thought yeah. through the like, yeah. oh, we just need to do this thing. Yeah. Let's finish but one thing happens? at a time. Yeah. No, Didn't we stop to, to think do... if they should. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now Another we're talking. Yeah. yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. No, the, I think part of it too, all of these things feel right. And I think also the the idea that so much of this movie seems built for convenience Mm-hmm. We have to get people here. We have, wouldn't this be cool if they were here? Great. How do we do it? I don't know. Let's have another time machine and we get to be there now. And, you know, it feels sort of um, uh, <laughs> like we're just trying to hop from cool scene to cool scene, quote unquote, as opposed to build any kind of emotional infrastructure or consequences for the characters mm-hmm. or care about anybody. And and I want to think back to the time travel, travel movies that I've enjoyed the most. It's, they either don't explain the time travel and you just – make it a magical thing that happens and right. you deliberately don't explain it um, either because it's a comedy or, you know, time bandits, right? Like you don't, you don't, you don't spend a lot of time on what the time travel device is or whatever, or you deal with very directly the sort of um, 
insane making consequences of it some like primer that like goes oh, yeah, really yeah, deep yeah. into the like what it would do to your mind to mm-hmm. be sort of involved in this in some way and and so anywhere in between it, it feels <laughs> it doesn't feel like it's doing it's not servicing the the theme the, the story the plot the characters it just does it's not so, so it stands out then then i'm then they're 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 trying to over explain like you were saying like every three scenes they talk about well, maybe the time travel is da, 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 da. and then you're like okay now you're explaining I'm not going to have to think about this and it's not making any sense and it pulls me out of the movie this is an action thriller that's what this is and it's it, you don't well it's what it's supposed, supposed to be, to be. <laughs> sorry I made a face it's genre yeah, it's a genre the, the overall genre is supposed to be an yeah, action yeah. thriller so with Primer though Primer's not Primer yeah. is a very it's a thoughtful you know I mean there's still thriller elements yeah, to it yeah. but it is yeah I, it's also why, like, when you start using it too much, again, it's keying in your audience to think about something they shouldn't be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the re- it's one of the big blocks I have with Back to the Future Two, because there's kind of this idea of jumping all over the place mm-hmm. in Back to the Future Two that I'm kind of like, well, why don't they just go back and do X, mm-hmm. and then I could be wrong. My idea could be totally wrong, but I'm not thinking about the movie. Right. I'm not paying right. attention to the exactly. movie anymore. I'm thinking about. Okay, well, if you can do that and you can do this, then why don't you do that? And then, but if he did that, wouldn't that mean? And then it's I'm out, and that is something that you want to try to avoid as you're, <laughs> you know, making a movie. You don't want people in the middle of it going, but wait, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is what too much information about time travel, because as far as we know, is impossible. Um, you know, it, it, too much information you start doing, you have your audience go, but, but, but wait, that doesn't make any sense, right? Especially like I don't know, I think. This movie specifically, like, A, it is, as you watch, it's, like, not really about the characters. It's about, it's about the time travel. And it's about, like, the destiny mm. and, ma- and like, making adjustments to it and how, like, the adjustments that you, that you think are making are actually, like, reverberating in different ways. And so, like, we're talking about, like, time travel so much because, like, that is what the movie is talking about so yeah. much, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like... Mm-hmm. It's just like a chicken egg type of a thing. And also like it gets, it does get really, really technical. And then you get to the point of like, well, at this point, you're not just like time traveling. You're creating parallel dimensions because right. like yeah, certain right. people have memories that aren't actually there anymore. And that's like the whole Kyle Reese thing of like, oh, you're having like multiple memories of different childhoods. How is that even possible? Which in a different movie, I'd totally watch. Mm. Right. Like I would be on board for that in another movie where it's like, you know, you remember things slightly different because you're not in your right timeline anymore. You know, that cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like that's all. I'm fascinated by that stuff. Like, you know, I've talked about it before. I love I know what conspiracy theories are and I'm aware that they're all horseshit. But I also love the imagination that that. You know, the Berenstein, Berenstain Bears thing. I think that's mm-hmm. just fascinating to think about. I know what it is, but it's still fascinating. And I think it's the storyteller in me that's like, oh, yeah, that's great. Because mm-hmm. then what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And that's that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, here the the movie is about, well, I mean, the movie's about a few things. But Terminator and Terminator 2 were about characters. Like they were about Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor and John Connor. Like that's what those movies were about. And they were set up in the infrastructure of a science fiction action movie. And 
but like any good story, those the action sequences that happen told you things about the characters. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is not happening in here. There are action scenes, but they're the kinds of action scenes that I don't know when you get done with them, you're just sort of like, yeah, that was an action scene. Mm -hmm. That certainly was a previs action Mm -hmm. scene. I just saw there. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like when he goes like it should have been exciting when he was about to, you know, go head first into a helicopter. That should have been exciting. And you've been like, oh, no, but it wasn't. It Mm -hmm. there's just because there's. There were opportunities for it, though, mm-hmm. which I liked. I liked the idea of a Terminator that went back in time. The old Panzer tank went back in time and then raised Sarah Connor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is yeah. a, great a great idea. idea. Yeah. Yep. And I would have loved that whole movie. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would have been OK. Yeah. I also like the idea of Kyle Reese going back and we're retold the first Terminator from a different perspective now because that's happened. Right. Mm-hmm. Perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Once they go into 2017, I'm out. Mm-hmm. I'm just out of the movie and I don't care. Um, and yeah, you look like you were about to right. say something. Well, I was going to say when you were talking about like you liked seeing the Sarah Connor that was raised by a Terminator. I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice if she actually got to act that way. Yes. Right. Because she yes. like never even had yeah. any sort of like. Nope anything like she didn't do anything she actually one of the things that like really drove me nuts is that so when they're having the argument about which year they need to go forward to whether that was what uh, 1992 97 yeah Yeah. 97 august 97 yeah yeah so whether it was 97 or 2017 her response is all right so what do we do when we get there like do we even have a plan and like it was her plan to begin with. It was like her and Pops that, you know, original Terminators yeah. plan mm-hmm. to go to 1997. Why wouldn't, why would it change going like 20 years further? Like that doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It's still the same plan. She just, just sounds really different... dumb. Right. Why does she, and this guy shows up and she's like, I've been waiting. I know we have to have this baby, but you don't know that yet. And I'm just going to like, okay, what are we going to do? Like suddenly she turns to him like, okay, what are we going to do now, now that right. you're here? Right. And I, I'm like she's the one that has like all this experience yeah. and like all this knowledge that was passed from right. from Pop's Terminator guardian yeah. person. She's also it's weird. She's like a Joss Whedon character taken from there. It's like Joss Whedon's version of Sarah Connor taken mm-hmm. from something he's made and put in here. When the idea of the, one of the the greatest things that they got to do with Sarah Connor was at the behest of Linda Hamilton, which was knowing about the future that's going to come is going to make me paranoid. Right. It's going to make mm-hmm. me, right. um, you know, in her words, crazy, but it's going to make her uh, prepare, prepare yeah. in a very mm-hmm. obsessive way. And then add to that that you are raised by a machine. And this is T2 we're talking about, right? We're talking about T2. Yeah, okay. yeah that's that's in T2. Yep. Yep. This is not present here. No, no, I just want to... So the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, and the juxtaposition here, and I actually have a bigger thing that I want to talk about that's related to this, but the juxtaposition here is she is the most normal Sarah Connor has ever been in this movie, mm-hmm. yet she saw her father and mother killed. Mm-hmm. She's been raised by a killing machine, mm-hmm. She knows the future and knows what's about to happen. So all of these things tick the list and she's not like the actor is not performing her. She's not written Mm -hmm. in a way that would reflect any of that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is 
problematic for two reasons. One, just logic-wise, it bothers me as a storyteller. Fine. Tell the story you want. The other problem is they are so determined and so... Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're just so obsessive about recreating shots from the original Mm -hmm. and recreating the look and how it all happened and using Arnold Schwarzenegger again that we have to look at what came before. Now, Marianne, you don't have this issue Mm -hmm. because you don't really, you know, you didn't really experience. I mean, I was relieved when I realized, oh, they're not going to keep this version of Arnold Schwarzenegger the whole time. (laughs) Thank God. Well, the thing (laughs) is, though, like, it's still the same universe is what the movie is telling us. The movie is telling us this is the same universe, but that is not the same character. Right. Right. Like, one, she's not written the same way. Two, the the casting is off. And so all of these things are just, like, I don't know. It it just became, and that became true, and it was especially true with Kyle Reese for me. (gasps) Let's oh. talk casting, everybody. Was, was that a gasp as in how dare you insult no. Jai Courtney? No, 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 no. I am, I am not like, here to defend Yes, Jai. agree. Jai, Jai Courtney is worse than Amelia Clark. <laughs> Jai <laughs> Courtney was the only good thing in Suicide Squad. Well, no. There were a couple little good things in Suicide Squad, but he was fun. This, this movie, <laughs> four leads set in Los Angeles. None of them were American. And that's okay. I'm not talking about Suicide Squad. I'm talking about Terminator 5. No, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have Jai Courtney. You have Amelia Clark. Uh-huh. Jason Clark. Jason Clark. Which, no relation. No relation. No relation. No relation. Also Australian, though. Yeah. No, I mean, as Jai Courtney, Amelia Clark is English. Uh-huh. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger, who he, he's gotten the I don't sound like a normal person pass for the last 30 years. That's fine. <laughs> But they also gave him a lot of exposition, which is weird. They gave him a lot of exposition. Yeah, they gave Arnold the most exposition mm-hmm. about technical weird. things. Okay, Tobin, let's talk about Jai Courtney, because I have a feeling we're about to say the same things. <laughs> Sounds like he doesn't want to. I, 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 so the, I don't know, I don't think I've seen Jai Courtney in anything. You say that, you might be surprised because he is so forgettable. I looked him up and I didn't <laughs> see anything so that I had seen. I will check again, but. Um, it's not his fault. They put him in very forgettable roles. Well, this is what this this is what I don't know what because (laughs) I can't. So I'm I'm not saying Jai Courtney is a bad actor because I do not. I'm not seen enough to know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Fair. But some combination of this actor in this role blows a hole through the middle of this movie. I do not believe a word this man says. I do not. I do not feel any everything he, he. I can see the script lines. Like you see the the typed pages as he's speaking, <laughs> rather than seeing a character say anything that comes from. Yeah. And and I, I never believe the problem he has with pops. Like none of it. All of it feels like regularly convenient in the moment. And then he he gives me nothing as an actor in this role. Like I he he does not hold a close up as they say. It, right. There's some actors you, you turn the camera on and. They could do nothing, and you're just mesmerized mm-hmm. by. Uh, who they last are. week's episode, we were talking about Giant. Elizabeth Taylor is one of those. Yes, mm-hmm. for instance, and, uh, in this movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that. You, the camera turns on him, and he can do whatever he's doing. And at least you're like, he he, he comes through the screen at you. Yeah, the, Jai Courtney lives completely on the other side of the screen in this movie for me. And and I, it is impossible. So and and the, just if I could say one other thing about something you were saying, the. I think the problem that Amelia Clark's character has has more to do with the writing because 
they're written as though they know they're in an action movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So the lines they say are action movie lines and, and they're, and they're aware. It's as though the characters are aware they're in an action movie, which is why they don't feel any consequences, emotional or, or psychological for the things that are happening around them. That's a really like, good point. I know I'm going to come through this. Okay. Cause there are sequels coming and I've signed a four picture deal and <laughs> I have, they're, they're, they've got plans for me for more movies and not the actors saying that, but like that's the thought process going into the whole project. And so there is no weight to any of it. But for me, the biggest problem with this movie is the casting slash writing of Kyle Reese. Um, yeah, and I'm going to put one fine point on that, and then just before I forget, which is if you look at Kyle Reese in Terminator, he was in Terminator Two in a cutscene, but he's mm-hmm. in he's in Terminator. Spoiler alert: he dies at the end. Um, this goes into a whole thing about this franchise that I feel is missing from this film, but is is really important in those first two. And it is down to the fact that if you just listen to the music, if you listen to the opening theme for Terminator and Terminator 2, Terminator 2 is better. But if you if you listen to that theme, the first thing you're going to take away from it is this music is sad. This music is mournful. This music is lonely. This music is telling you things about the story that you're going to be hearing. One, it's mechanical because it's all synth. But the theme itself is very sad. And Kyle Reese's character in the first movie is a tragic character. Mm-hmm. He is he, he does heroic things, mm-hmm. but he is a victim of this war. And he is not perfect in any way. Aside from that, the casting of Michael Bean was really good because he looks like a survivor. Mm-hmm. He looks like he hasn't had a meal in three days. He looks wiry and muscular in a way that's like you've had to like scrape right. by. Mm-hmm. Jai Courtney in this movie looks like a bodybuilder. He looks like Mm -hmm. he has eaten prepared meals every day. Like you can do that with Thor. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a God. He's a, you know, or alien, whatever. But yeah. 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 Like, and so having this weird ripped, perfect body uh, and like almost surfer dude mentality like he does not feel panicked the way Kyle Reese has felt panicked before. Like there's a, I don't know. There, there's a lot that goes into the casting of this. I feel bad. I, I agree. I don't think Jai Courtney is a bad actor um, because I also, I don't, I don't think Amelia Clark is a bad actor, but I don't, I was not connecting with her either in this movie. There's my piece on Jai Courtney. What do you think, <laughs> Bill and Marianne? Uh, Marianne, who has no concept of Michael Bean as <laughs> no, Kyle Reese. Not a bit. Uh, I like how you said forgettable because I said I watched this movie two years ago, getting ready for this podcast. I mentioned it to a friend and he said, I saw this movie. I don't remember a thing about it. (laughs) And I saw this movie if in the last 48 hours and I'm starting to forget about it. (laughs) And that I think is a part of it is there's a lot of, and I hate picking on actors like this, but there's something hollow going on here where it's like what happened didn't matter. And that, that's why, to me, this movie is just kind of boring hmm. in that mm-hmm. these guys are just kind of fil- – it felt not just fan servicey, but fan fiction-y. That's in my oh, notes. Yeah. That's interesting. This my was, notes, yeah. I wrote that. The I was scene, like, this is yeah. an expensive fan film. Yeah, and sometimes fan fiction is fine if that's your thing. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it makes some people lots of money. See Fifty Shades of Grey, which is an episode you did already. Yes, we did. <laughs> but this was, I don't mind doing the plot. I don't mind doing fan service. Like, oh, he's wearing the same shoes. Or like, that's the guy who said this thing. I don't mind that. But you get to these points where they're throwing, like, the they're throwing the tragedy away of these characters. They're throwing, you know, the suffering of these characters away. And I don't mean to say I want to watch a bummer of a movie, but I want to see something of stakes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what good science fiction does. Yeah, a lot of good science fiction. It can be very fun, but it can also sort of put a lens on humanity and go like, oh, this is this is interesting and in how we matter in this world if we add a time travel element to it. Yeah. Well, science fiction often serves as a warning. Yeah. Like that's and that's what the first ter- two Terminators are. They're mm-hmm. those, let's think about <laughs> artificial intelligence let's mm-hmm. think about the dark path we can go mm-hmm. with technology even mm-hmm. the name of the bar in the first movie is tech noir that's right so the dark side of technology is what he was going for and that yeah. is that is what's here mm-hmm. but not in terminator genesis no um so i read on like the trivia part of imdb that like they spent so much effort that like nike like basically they forced oh, yeah. Nike to shut down to produce 40 pairs of those shoes. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. And like, I didn't even realize it was like a fan server. Like I was like, why? This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I didn't personally ha- not having that fan experience. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't notice the shoes at all. <laughs> um, but I'm like, ooh, actually, you know, what would have been better is if Nike had not done that and like the shoes would have been slightly off. Yeah. Because like that right. would have been like, ooh, something is different. And like Some fans would have known shoes. that. Oh. No, but like the thing that they were like Nike was um was like, we'll produce these for you, but like you need to have like they changed their logo slightly. So we're like, we're not gonna redo that old logo. You're gonna do this new logo. Oh. So um but they were like, No, we need the original ones. But like if that if it mm. had been that new logo that it was like just tiny bit yeah. off, like super fans would have noticed that and then would have noticed that like, ooh, things are different here. And I think that that would have been really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think that movie studio would have gladly pro- collected the Adidas paycheck. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. who right. cares? Who cares? <laughs> but also, one of the things who that cares? I didn't realize. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 right. But also, um, one of the things that I didn't, I kind of like vaguely thought about, but I'm like, meh, action movies, whatever, is that they, they're was no sense of like, ooh, this is a different world that I need to navigate now. Mm-hmm. Like, Jai Courtney just kind of like went with it. Like, he stole a homeless guy's pants. He knocked over a department store, just went in and got the thing. No no sense of like, oh, this is a store. I've never <laughs> actually seen an operating right. store. Yes. Right. Well, I'll counter, because I think it's a problem with this movie and not that idea, because... You get that storytelling in the first one. Right. That's what I'm saying is that like the way that you're telling me that is something that occurs in the original one. So why wouldn't it also to an extent occur in this one? No, it doesn't occur. Oh, it doesn't? So the thing that's working in that first – so the the opening with Kyle Reese landing in the the back alley, uh, stealing the pants – Get, trying to take out a cop, then going to into the store, is all kind of a shot-for-shot shot remake oh. of mm-hmm. uh, the opening sequence of Terminator One. How it plays is very different. 
how it plays in the first one is we are looking at a very resourceful person mm. who is not stupid. Uh, he knows what he's going into. He's he he he's not going into this blind, going what time travel. He's had people tell him, "You're going to this time. You cannot stand out. You cannot stand out. You have to you have to blend in, and you have to do this thing." And blah 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 blah. And we're looking at somebody who is camouflaging himself as best he can. Once you insert the thing where he's being chased by a T-1000 in this movie, it's not as much about that. He's more like he's trying to hide from the T-1000. And so it plays very differently in here. Maybe it's Jai Courtney. I don't know. But there is an element of like this, this something that I really like about we don't have a character going, what's a phone booth? You know, and things like that because he's smart and resourceful. And he is he is on a mission and his mission is to do X, Y, Z. I don't know. Does that make sense? Right. But like. Right. OK. So now that you say that, I think then the problem with this movie is that like you see the moments prior to that. Right. Like prior to him time traveling. And there is no oh, sort of right. preparedness. <laughs> right. Good point. Right. It's just like. They chuck him in the machine. Yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, I guess this must be a time travel machine. Someone's going to go in and then like he volunteers and then John Connor's like, yeah, my dad really does need to go back in time. Go have sex with my mom. Mm -hmm. By the way, here's what a department store is. Yeah. Well, And to to be fair, we see at the end of the movie that that um, Kyle. No. (laughs) Baby Kyle. (laughs) Jai. Baby Kyle was a young enough kid to have been in in stores. Right. Because he's alive at the time. Like he's alive with stores in 2017. No, no, because that's like the alternate timeline where the the Skynet thing (laughs) happens in 2017. He says, I came after. Yeah, it was was 1997. Okay, but the problem is that. (laughs) So here's my problem with time travel movies. (laughs) This, this whole part. This part, because if once he changes, once he goes through the loop and, and and this movie happens. Mm-hmm. It's always happened. Right. Mm-hmm. So he would always have had the memories because it's al- already happened to him. Right. Yeah, I get that. Unless you're just creating tangents. For instance. If you're just creating <laughs> a, a, a alternate Paral- dimension, yeah. if you're just parallel creating universes. parallel universes, then uh, right, you okay, wouldn't. Right, 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 right. necessarily. Yeah, 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 but okay. we shouldn't be thinking about this yeah. <laughs> as we're watching. Like, well, we, we, should be, we should be experiencing a human being experiencing things yeah and that's yeah, 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 the problem yeah. with mm-hmm. the movies we're not experiencing human beings experiencing anything in the way that we are in those first movies we are experiencing how humans would react to these crazy circumstances that they are thrust into mm-hmm. and whether it's the acting or the directing or the writing or some combination of all three with the central characters here i am not seeing human beings i'm seeing uh you know uh, uh pawns on the checkerboard of the right. you know chessboard of the like movie makers it's not they're moving wouldn't it be cool if sarah connor was like this yeah that'd be cool but not like mm-hmm. what has gone through sarah connor's mind the last 25 years mm-hmm. and how screwed up would she be and what would that be like and wouldn't so so yeah but anyway the the the, the, the i think the problem is that there are no human beings with maybe the exception of J.K. Simmons in this movie. Yeah, but he also feels like he doesn't fit. He doesn't. He doesn't. It's a different movie. No. He does have my favorite line of the movie, which is, the, like, the only thing I wrote down is, God damn those time-traveling robots covering their tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, He's, look, bravo. J.K. Simmons, product of University of Montana um, drama department. I'm just going to say that out there. Mm-hmm. Wonderful actor. Mm-hmm. Great. And I was happy to see him here, but at the end I was like, why were you here? Yeah. Like, why are you mm-hmm. in this movie? Weirdly, like Matt Smith had like 
five seconds, and I bought that more than I did. It's Jai so Courtney's easy to forget he's in this movie. he was in this movie. Another uh, British actor with an American accent for no reason. <laughs> he doesn't need to have an American accent. Everyone knows that evil robots are British. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Deal with that movie. Apparently Austrian. Like, they're, too. they're either British yeah, or Austrian. Well, the funny <laughs> thing about, about Matt Smith is that, so when we're near the end of the movie and our characters are going through the Genesis headquarters or whatever, and the, the Skynet robot hologram is growing up from a kid to a an adult the kids there and you see the projection of them the adolescent version mm-hmm. of this yeah. killer thing and and the so the voice goes down and then like in in pitch mm-hmm. and then back up when it gets yes because Matt Smith has a high voice <laughs> he has a higher pitch voice I'm like, oh that's something really easy to fix folks yeah. this is like ADR like yeah. come on now I actually liked that moment too I liked where the hologram is sort of annoying them yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. like it, again it's like well, you guys are capable. There are ideas, here. Yeah. There are yeah. ideas yeah. in here that are really good. And I like that they keep shooting the holographic projectors and yeah. everything like that. Mm. Was all right. Yeah, that's funny. And that's amusing. And it's also. It's human. It's human. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I like that. Uh, I, I, one weird thing that I have was I probably had more emotional connection to Arnold Schwarzenegger. One, because he has been the one consistent cast to return and return and return. Um, but like his little moments of like. I can't tell if he is trying to convince himself that he's not obsolete. Mm-hmm. Like moments like right. that. Like I was okay with that where his hand stops working for a second and he has to fiddle with it. Like, you know, I, it, it, there are moments of that in the original Terminator movies where it's like, is he, is he having an emotion? And you don't know. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a great moment in the first Terminator where he looks in the mirror after he's surgically removed mm-hmm. his eyeball. Mm-hmm. He looks in the mirror and it's a small moment. It's a subtle moment. He just looks in the mirror, puts on some glasses, and then he just pats his hair mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. walks away. And there's a moment of like, why is the machine yeah. straightening their hair? Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's cool. It's also just weird that like Arnold Schwarzenegger has is the only one here to have a lot of emotions that you can read, right? Like he clearly (laughs) cares like on his end, he does in fact care for Sarah Connor. And you're like, yeah, I see that. Right. Right? Like when he fiddles and he kind of like stops and looks at her and like has a, like a brief moment on his Mm -hmm. face. You're like, yeah, no, I see that. It's Uh a learning machine. Yeah. Like it's more cute, more human than the other human than the humans. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So weird. It's wild. It's very weird. Rob Zombie should write a song. Even the, even the machine human hybrid. It's like, no, you're just mm, other Clark person. I don't, I don't care who you are. I don't, I have no, you have no emotions. What do you, what are you? And and (laughs) even if you had, cause I don't remember, I probably watched a trailer for this somewhere along the way, but I did not remember that. Jason Clark was going to turn out to be a bad guy when yeah, he comes back. No. I don't remember but that. really, it's, it's, I was the only one. Okay. It's clear the minute he walks into the movie, I'm like, oh, you're not right. too good. Right. Like, yeah. Clearly yeah. It's telegraphed. The, the moment it's, he pops in, I was like, stab him, stab yeah, him with something, exactly. anything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Don't just ask him questions. That's dumb. Yeah. Don't follow him. Or, what, what are you doing? And, I, yeah. and, and Which then again makes them feel dumb. It makes yeah. the, the characters feel dumb. Yeah. There's a... Um, I understand that it is unfair to compare, you know, you know, it's like, it's unfair to say, well, T2 did this, but when you have kind of the exact same beats and they're done much more sophisticated and much more imaginatively uh, in the previous one, I feel it's, it's necessary to say, okay, we've seen this before Mm -hmm. in this franchise. Mm -hmm. It was done here when, 
Sarah goes in Terminator 2, she's taking John to the desert to hide, uh, to try to just hide from the T-1000. And she meets a mentor of hers. She meets someone that she has known and trusted for a long time and still pulls a gun on him. Like she still is like, no, I know I have to be on. On guard at all times. All times. I can never. For me, for my son. For everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and it just doesn't it doesn't follow here that she's sort of like, oh, we maybe shouldn't trust. But uh, (laughs) okay, you're the man here, I guess. Oh, so frustrating. 1984 Terminator. Uh, One thing that hasn't aged well, or maybe it has aged spectacularly, is the hair. And I mean that it's 80s. There's big hair in the original Terminator movie. That's true. Mm-hmm. This one throws away. She, she's she got her 1990s haircut. That was something that bugged my wife and I while watching this was. No, she would not have that hair. She would not have that big of a hair. I'm just saying, if you're going to do all that fan service, give me that hair. Oh, no, no. I'm saying she wouldn't have. Well, oh, the, she would have the know. ponytail. That's an interesting if, question. If she's like an action cut military person. Now, yeah, I guess you're right. She, she'd probably have a more straight to business. Yeah, that's a very, very good point. OK. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, I see where you're going. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I wanted to add in on your part where we had uh, bad John Connor show up is the, the thing that I really like about the first two movies is there's a sense of terror and dread because you're being chased by these futuristic robots. Yeah. And something that had diminishing returns in sequels after that. Sure. Was they kept thinking they had to make a newer and better mm-hmm. robot to mm-hmm. be like mm-hmm. in T3. Cooler, yeah. It's this, this woman who also transforms into people. I don't think Terminator. So it's been forever since I've seen. Salvation. No Terminator Salvation. Uh, I, I don't think Terminator Salvation belongs on this podcast. Uh, it's not good, but it is also not like it doesn't have the same level of feeling like it's mm-hmm. at times incompetent. Um, it just doesn't quite work. And yeah. I think that's a which is a bummer, but it's a bummer. Uh, I got a lot of acting talent in it. Um, is but, it like a war movie? My sense is that it's sort of like a war. No, it's a war movie, it? but it's in mm. the future. It's after yeah. Judgment Day has yeah. happened. Right. Okay. Yeah. And John Connor is trying to become the John Connor oh, I see. that uh-huh. he was taught to be, and he is struggling. And it's like, that's that's, a, that's interesting. It's yeah. a great idea. It's, great it's idea. not well handled, and they try to do too much. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, anyway, it's a whole other conversation. Part. But with, with T5, you have, the, you have the Matt Smith Terminator and the John Connor Terminator, and you have another T-1000. And you have another Schwarzenegger 101 model. <laughs> and there's no period of the movie where it's like we're being chased by this monstrous thing that's, yeah. you know, sole purpose is to kill us. There's no I, – I never – you know, after they survived a bus flip and probably before that, I wasn't worried about these characters' well-being. Yeah, it's weird, mm-hmm. right? Because once they – like even at the end of Terminator 2, I remember thinking, is that thing dead? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, put it into us. just more metal. Like, oh, Um, and so after they defeat the T-1000 so handily at the beginning, which also could be good storytelling Mm -hmm. to just be like, no, they're on top of it. They've they've got it. It didn't quite feel that way to me. It just sort of felt like that was the first part of getting through the hurdles that Mm -hmm. these people are going to have to get through. And so it was weird. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I also didn't. Like it felt more mechanical, which, no pun intended, um, but it felt more mechanical. Like, no, the thing's going to chase us and we have to kill it. And so like you say, Tobin, it's like it's like the pawns. Like, OK, well, now they have to fight 
this guy. What's an ingenious way to do that? Oh, we'll put some sort of right. corrosive acid up there, and mm-hmm. they, they shower it with that stuff. Like, okay. Right. And also there's like, <laughs> I mean, John Connor robot isn't like actively trying to like hunt them down, so to speak. It's like there's a, it gets to a certain point where he's like, I mean, I'm going to do this thing. It doesn't matter whether you live or die, you know? That's an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that, that there is no real pursuit. I mean, there kind of is, but they're kind of chasing each other. Yeah. In a weird way. It's they're like, not... it's more of like when they're chasing him, that's when he's chasing them. But like, <laughs> right. Otherwise, he's just like going about his regular oh, corporate an... espionage so, business. That's yeah. another. That's so weird. Uh, that's interesting. That is fascinating. I didn't think about that, but it's another reason why there would feel like there's no stakes. Which reminds me of another thing that like, I I kind of laughed at and that like, when it's revealed that John Connor is um, is a robot, is Skynet or whatever. Um, well, he's not Skynet. Well, he's like, he's fused with he's a weird. version of yeah, Skynet, maybe he whatever. Is. He's the evolved human he's, Skynet. Yeah, Skynet hybrid, no, hybrid, right. Yeah. Kyle Reese still says, you can't kill us because we're your parents. But I'm like, but if he's this like hybrid thing, he doesn't care whether it lives or dies. He's going to keep going because right. it's not your son anymore. It's not human. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> this is flawed. Yeah. So like, it's it's really bizarre. So he just doesn't care whether they live or die. Either way, it doesn't make a difference. Bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Tobin, you had one more point? One more point. I have determined that uh, I have not – I can still say it. Uh, apart from this movie, I have not seen a Jai Courtney movie. He has. He's uncredited in Alita Battle Angel, which I did saw, did see, but uncredited. I don't know. There's no indication who he was or where he was. And so I don't count that as a performance of his. And this is the only thing that I've seen him in. Well, okay. don't watch Suicide Squad. <laughs> don't watch Die Hard don't 5. <laughs> oh, God, he was in Die Hard 5. I forgot yeah. about that. He plays uh, his son, John right? John McClane Jr. Yeah. Huh. It's, uh, oh, boy. Man. Yeah. Fifth. He's into all these fifth oh, don't, don't let him be fifth. into the fifth reboot of your 30-year-old franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that's the formula. Holy Maybe crap. That's the thing. Maybe he just needs to avoid fifths. <laughs> He'd be the second. Well, you know, a side note, I'll try to talk about this very quickly, but you talk about actors who you just point a camera at them and they give you something. There's yeah. that something there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you call it the movie star, you know, sure. quality. Then there are those actors who they don't have that, but when they're performing, when they're really going for it, there's something there. And mm-hmm. I feel like Jai Courtney is that because as Captain Boomerang, he was really magnetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and all just like he he just really performed the mm-hmm. hell out of that. I often feel that way about Tom Hardy, frankly. Um, like when you look at him in Bronson, that is a very different performance than he does in anything else. And for me, it's his most like electric, like it is really alive. But then there are a lot of times I'm watching him on screen and you point the camera at him and it's just sort of a dead zone for mm, me. A lot yeah. of people don't feel that way, but I feel that way about a lot of Tom Hardy's stuff. That's not to say he's not a good actor. Sure, I think right, he's a right. wonderful actor. Um, so yeah, the material, I think in this case, at least we could chalk, chalk it all up to the fact that this is not. This, this material would not serve any actor, I don't think. I don't think so. I don't think it would. J.K. Mm-hmm. Simmons somehow makes his little part work. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the less dialogue he has, it it works. But specifically Schwarzenegger, as we said, he's a person. You point the camera at him and right. you're getting something. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. Well, it is time to move on to how we would each fix this. Um Bill, let's start with you. How would you fix Terminator Genesis? I think we've touched a lot on a lot of the points that 
what we would have rather seen. Uh, for me, I would have liked to spend time in one timeline. I don't think we needed to do several time jumps from like mm-hmm. one place to the other. I think going to 2017, especially with 12 hours to spare, was really dumb. <laughs> you know, we play, have a time machine. Play the long <laughs> game. Just buy stock in that company. And then, and then shut it down. And shut it down. <laughs> and then you'll be rich. Only. If only. I, I, think I did Mary, like yeah. the joke. There was a good joke. Which one was that? That was one good joke, I feel. Which was, you had a job in construction until I was laid off. Yeah. Like, I like that. Joke. Yeah. I, his read on it was good. It was good. And I like that he he worked. Of course he would work in construction. <laughs> <laughs> his resume is his body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Marianne touched upon this where seeing Sarah Connor and Pops, you know, from that point on going forward, that would have been a good movie by itself. That would have been a movie. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. you, you had all these action set pieces that you didn't need. You hopped around. You didn't really live in any timeline in this movie. Do less. Yeah. That's, that, mm-hmm. that's my fix. I'm sorry if it's broad, but just simplify Simplify it. Stick with one story here. Find me people I care about. Good. Marianne, how would you fix this? Do you want to watch more Terminator movies? Eh. That's fine. <laughs> you don't I have would. to. I would. I'll loan you the two good ones. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How would you fix Terminator Genesis? Um, originally, I actually changed my mind during this conversation. So this idea just comes from the last hour or cool. whatever that we've had this conversation. So I think that I would really enjoy seeing a developed Sarah Connor in this timeline, right? Yeah. So like, nah, the f- first part, whatever, can do what it wants. Like Kyle Reese can still go back in time, but like find a completely not just different Sarah Connor but like kind of different world that he's living in and like throw out that fan service like get those um not exact Nikes and like maybe he just like dies 20 minutes after he arrives in 1984 and it just like throws out the playbook (laughs) and you have a like completely different story that you're playing with here like Mm -hmm. the rules are just 100% different that's yep. my that's my thought. I, I'm I'm on board for that actually. Yeah. 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 Tobin, what do you think? Yeah, I had an idea. That was better. I'm taking that. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm going to watch that movie. Yep. Yes. Love that. That's it. That's all I got. All right. Right. <laughs> what can you do? That the best idea is pitched. I'm not going to. You know, I'm going to step on that. No. no. I'm here for all your script documents. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take a kind of a weird route here and say if I could only change one thing about this movie, it would be the cast. I think if you recast this, some interesting things would happen. And let me try to back that up. So um, one, I don't feel I hate saying this because I think she's a wonderful person, but I don't think Amelia Clark was right for this role. There is something that seems very soft about her. And even in the first Terminator, there was you could see where Sarah was going to go. And Linda Hamilton does not seem soft. She maybe, you know, seemed very normal, but she didn't seem soft. And there's some and it plays well in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Amelia Clark does it because her character contr- has so much power mm-hmm. and everything that that it's in this little right. bitty contained, soft. Yeah. yeah and this yeah, contained yeah. in this vessel is interesting. And, and there's a lot to play with there. I don't feel like it worked here. Um, and so I would recast her with Claire Foy. Um <laughs> yeah, now we're pulling up our phones. Yeah. <laughs> Claire Foy is in, uh, was it The Crown? The Crown, the yeah, Crown. with Matt Smith, played her husband in oh, The Crown. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I, 
she hasn't done a lot, but what I've seen her in, she has been wonderful, despite the fact that some of the work she's, some of the movies she's been in, like, I'm going to be talking about one on Cinemakers, that's just not a very good movie, but she's very good. Um, and I think there is something about her, again, that is like, you point a camera at her and you're like, hmm? Mm-hmm. Um, then this other one is really weird because I don't like Terminator Salvation, but I really like the casting in Terminator Ooh. Salvation. I think you keep Christian Bale as John Connor and Anton Yelchin, who was not dead at this point. Oh, when they were making this movie. Yeah, yeah. when they were making this movie, oh. he was alive and he played Kyle Reese in <gasps> Salvation and he was wonderful. Now there's somebody you point a camera at. Yes. Anton mm-hmm. Yelchin, you point a camera at him, you get everything. Yeah, totally. Uh, and he was scrappy and yeah, yeah, thin yeah. and it was – he was – so – but th- here's the problem I have with this. If you keep recasting everyone every time, I have very little to connect with, especially when you're not doing a character piece anymore. So if – I know Christian Bale probably didn't want to come back and do another one. I understand that, but this is my perfect world. Mm-hmm. If you do that, all of a sudden – Everything starts to have more meaning. It's like, oh, that's John Connor. Not that's who's playing John Connor mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Clark is a good actor. I, I hear he's very good in Pet Cemetery in the new version. He's mm. the, the lead in the new Pet Cemetery. I hear he's very good. There is something not right about him for this movie for me as well. But I think recasting those three leads, keeping some continuity with what has come before, um, and I think I would be a little bit more invo- emotionally invested in this, even though there's not a lot on the page here. Um, so, yeah, Alan Taylor, who directed this, directed, I think, seven or eight episodes of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he probably knew Amelia Clark well. And and I get that. You want to work with people you like working with. You mm-hmm. know, like that that makes sense. But I just don't feel like she's right for it. I don't feel Jason Clark was right. And I really don't feel like Jai Courtney was right. So recast. That's my, that's my fix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think we have... Three, because Tobin didn't contribute. I think we have three <laughs> very good fixes for this movie. <laughs> I think that's a vote. Sorry, I think it's I a first place. Mine was just fix. the best one. It was yeah. just the best one, and that's fine. Um, okay, well, uh, at this point, let's move on to how we would rate this thing. Each of us has our own rating system. I will start. Uh, mine is, what Star Wars movie is it? And this is Rogue One for me. I think there's a lot of neat ideas, and I think so. I could see somebody enjoying this movie. It doesn't work for me. It it doesn't work, and it really falls apart by the end. By the end, I'm just sort of like, what in the hell is going on? So, yeah, it's Rogue One. Marianne, what's your rating system? My rating system are screeching tea kettles, which is basically the amount of time I'd rather spend not watching this movie <laughs> and making tea and getting interrupted by it screeching again. Um, I am giving it two and a half screeching tea kettles because this is like – Middle of the rain, middle like middle of the road. Man, that's not a great movie. I wasn't highly offended by it, despite my hatred of time travel. <laughs> um, I did give it an extra point five because I was like very annoyed that Sarah Connor was just so dumb and didn't do anything. Yeah, that is not Sarah Connor. I'm sorry. <laughs> I wonder if there was a, like some sort of animosity towards Linda Hamilton because she was flat up flat killed off in Terminator Three. She didn't want to come back. And was I, that it? And they I, just they just killed her character. I think they killed her, but I think for salvation she did like a like an ADR line or something. I forget. Yeah, uh, she re-recorded the tape that yeah, she okay, records to okay. uh, to uh, Kyle or uh, sorry to John. Yeah, and then um, oh, interestingly, two Game of Thrones actors have portrayed Sarah Connor. 
That's right. Um, Lena Headey oh, yeah. played oh, her in really? the uh, in the series, which is actually pretty good. If you haven't seen the series, seen series, it's not a bad series. It's what's that? No, it's not. Yeah. It's not a bad series. Uh, it's not great. It's not you know groundbreaking, but it is like you're watching. You're like this is a pretty good Terminator series. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. I think I've seen the pilot for that. So I lied. <laughs> I have seen kind oh, of like Terminator content. <laughs> it's a good episode too. Actually, the pilot's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it sounds like I'm giving it weak recommendation, but it's like it's it's good. It's, it's if, it, if it come across if it comes across your streaming like world yeah. or bubble, check it out. Also, Lena's very good. I no I Lena Hetty. If you were gonna yeah. recast it, Lena Hetty, mm-hmm. she's great. She was great in that. Seems so. like a good fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then uh, uh, Summer Glau is in there, mm-hmm. and she is fucking wonderful. She, wait, she's in what? She's in the <laughs> she's in Sarah the Sarah Connor, Connor Really? Yeah. Oh, where was I with this show? This is... I mean, I don't think anyone was anywhere of the show because okay. it was canceled after two seasons. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah it okay. barely made two. Like yeah. it was it just people were not watching it and I, it, when you watch it you kind of go, I get it. It's yeah. it, it, it's not great, but it's also not bad, which, <laughs> you know, I think had it been more in the era like it would be a really good Netflix show. Yes, mm. I agree. Like with that, this. or an Amazon show. Like mm. it, it would really benefit from that. Anyway, Bill, what's your rating system? Uh, so I have a new rating system. Uh, I have a son who I love very much, and I rate these about how far I want these movies to be away from him. <laughs> I am not worried about him finding this movie. Actually, I, I and by that I mean I don't care about this movie, and that might be too mean to say. But I think when he's older, and I find him watching Terminator Five. I will have the same reaction I had when watching Terminator 5, which is, eh. What are you watching that for? Okay. All right. (laughs) Glad you're in the house. Bye. (laughs) Take out the trash. You got to go. Tobin, what's your rating system? I have the Torgo scale. One to five Torgos based on how much there is to recommend in this movie. And I would give this two Torgos. I think that there are ideas in here that are are kind of interesting. And if if you didn't see it, early on because you heard it was so terrible and you love Terminator, you might check it out because it's not probably as bad as you thought. And then the second one is, I do think Arnold Schwarzenegger is fun in this. I think he's having a good time and I was my one connection to it. So I, I would give it to two out of five Torgos. Did Did anyone else miss seeing Bill Paxton? I did. Because they had the punks in the beginning. <laughs> they had yeah. the punks and they were so meticulous. Like yeah. they got the, the, the truck driver to be look yeah. very similar mm. to the truck driver. And then you got these three punks who look like they're from Green Day. They <laughs> did look like they were from Green Day. <laughs> they did not look like 80s punks to no. me. It no. was very weird. But it's like I, it's, uh, one of my favorite moments in the first Terminator is that opening sequence where the punks are there and it's mm. Bill Paxton. Yeah. And then I was just like, and then I was reminded that we'd lost Bill Paxton. And yeah. I was like, oh. And this is why I love Marion idea of how to fix this movie because then you change them completely like make yeah. make two of them completely different and one of them the same and like you make the world just off just a tick and enough so if you've seen the movies you're like what yeah exactly and if you haven't you it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter then doesn't matter too yeah, much but you can just kind of tell something's off yeah, yeah. Oh, see good. yeah yeah this is a very good idea <laughs> good job Marianne. i'm a genius yeah <laughs> you and sari bring the best like <laughs> New fan mm. fiction. Like, it's great. <laughs> All right. They're still writing these movies. If Hollywood's listening. Just yeah. call me. Call me. Yeah. If the concept yeah. of Hollywood is listening. <laughs> the concept of Hollywood is listening. Please tweet at us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, our final segment is here, and this is called Real Good, where we recommend something to you that is hopefully better than what you've watched. 
if you watched this movie. <laughs> uh, Tobin, what's your real good? I'm a little nervous now because I did pick a time travel movie. Um, I also picked a time travel movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Do we pick the same thing again? Oh, we might have. Okay. So this is maybe my favorite time travel movie and a movie that I, I don't know if people watch anymore. Um, maybe they do because there was a series of it uh, recently. But I would urge people to watch 12 Monkeys if you haven't watched 12 mm. Monkeys, the original 12 Monkeys. And then also watch La Jetée, the Chris Marker experimental film that it's based on. It's only like 15 mm. minutes and it's a movie of still images. So good. It's so good. And they so... don't, like, they, they complement each other, the yeah. two movies. I think it's a, a rare sort of thing when these two, almost from different mediums, you know, because the one movie is so different from the other. Uh, but if you have not watched 12 Monkeys, um, I think it's probably my favorite um, Bruce Willis performance. I think it's also my favorite Terry Gilliam at, film. At, and it's my second favorite Terry Gilliam film after um, Fisher King. Um, oh, a film I have not seen. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyway, I, I uh, as far as time, time, travel movies go that is my that's my jam interesting note when i was teaching uh la jetée was a big part of that because uh in editing classes we would say you're going to make your own la jetée so because it was an idea about thinking about composition and thinking about just how one still image looks next to another still image and how do you use those images to tell stories totally. so everybody had to make a la jetée um that's great i movie. gotta do that that's a good that's a it was good a lot of fun and people came up with some really cool wacky stuff yeah, um, yeah. but yeah La Jete is probably on YouTube somewhere I'm sure, um, I'm and sure. it's very interesting it is also creepy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and alarming at times yep. but it is also really good and I agree 12 Monkeys is great Bill what's your real good uh, I also picked a time travel movie oh, this no. one was I know we're, we're gonna tick down the boxes until Nick gets really nervous uh, <laughs> this one was a recent one and it's another time travel Uh-oh. movie that okay, <laughs> it doesn't give away too much about whether or not the time travel works and that's safety not guaranteed oh cool yeah, it's a J. Duplass, Aubrey Plaza. Uh, there's a guy who may be kooky crazy who maybe or maybe not making a time travel machine. And it's just like a fun wa- movie set in Washington. And it's, again, I think a good lazy Sunday movie. I'd recommend it. Okay, yeah. cool. Indie time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Marianne, what's your real good? I do not have a time travel movie. <laughs> Shocker, I'm good. <laughs> um, I actually just kind of like couldn't think of a movie that would be like a good equivalent recommendation so I just went with the good movie that I've already recommended which is Black Panther there you go because it's just a very good action movie mm-hmm. and I love it and also like interesting uses of technology that this movie doesn't <laughs> it's true in a movie that action movie that takes its ideas seriously and mm-hmm. it takes its human beings seriously mm-hmm. and for, the, for which there are consequences in the movie yeah that's a great and it takes some like excellent world views and like mm. mashes them together yeah. in a yeah. way that is unexpected yep good call uh, I love that movie absolutely I like it's funny because when I saw it in the theater I was like yeah that was a good movie and I walked out and I didn't mm-hmm. t- think about it too much then I saw it again for the snark squad pod and I was like this movie is incredible mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's weird like mm-hmm. first time in the theater I think it was just a lot to take in and the yeah. second time I'm like oh no it's great yeah. Yeah. It, it deserves to get all the awards it's been getting <laughs> yeah no it's just just color palette alone holy crap it was amazing it's a beautiful movie <laughs> um, okay so my real good is not necessarily a time travel movie but there is time travel in it so if you want to see a movie that did a really good job dealing with an alternate timeline uh, and just using it as the way to kickstart the story go watch J.J. Abrams Star Trek I am a huge Star Trek fan. I love the original series. I love Next Gen. Like, I really do like those. I like a lot of the movies. 
when I found out that they were going to be doing a reboot, I was I was the you know inner comic book guys oh, worst idea ever. <laughs> like I was convinced it was not going to be good. And when I saw it, I was so impressed with how they could reset everything while keeping everything that you had seen preserved. Those events happened. We're not saying we're not just starting over mm-hmm. and and having new adventures. We're still going to have new adventures. And there are going to be these weird artifacts that show up that are like we are destined to always run into Khan. Like that, that is something that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But that first one does such a good job with that and having its own story uh, and introducing us to these characters that we've already seen, but they're obviously new characters because we've got to start when they're younger. I think it's really good. And I, I think a lot of people for some reason set out to hate that movie and it has stayed. And a lot of people hate the second one. And I honestly still don't understand why people hate it. Mm-hmm. Like I get that. It's like, yeah, there's some conveniences and it's not great for, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever, but it's still like, I think it's still like really well-made films um, taking their material seriously mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, say something while also being a fun adventure movie. So yeah, check it out if you haven't. Also, I can't believe that. I think that came out 10 years ago. Really? I think that was 2009. Because it took a long time for the second one to yeah, roll around. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for joining me on this. Tobin, where can people find you and tell us about your podcast? People can find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington. And I have a podcast with my sister called The Contenders. We do uh, movies uh, directed by and or starring Fearless Women. Uh, right after this podcast uh, drops, you can go listen to our mini episode about Hope Floats, which we uh, did because we have <laughs> we have ten Patreon members now, uh, and so we oh, that's re- great. rewarded them with a uh, with, with, rewarded everyone, <laughs> but for that achievement. And then after that, uh, the following week, we're gonna have we're gonna do uh, Captain Marvel. You can follow us on awesome. uh, Twitter Ooh. at Contenders underscore Pod. Excellent, Bill. Where can <laughs> people find you? I guess, I guess yeah, I, I'm not on any social media, but I am a video maker for SciShow. So if you're into science, more real science, we don't really cover time travel so much. Uh, check us out on youtube.com slash, slash SciShow. I would love a really good explainer of just like, okay, everybody says, oh, it's not possible. Can you please tell us why, like, what is it? Why is it so fascinating to us, and why can't it? Why? What, I'll, like, I'll send that letter to the like, writers. I really do think. Like, <laughs> look, I've had some ideas for SciShow episodes that have done really well. So I would just like to say, and it all comes from a place of ignorance. Going, why? I don't know why. Marianne, where can people find you? I am on the social medias that I am on very <laughs> rarely. Yeah, but I'm really still dropped there. Off lately. Yeah, I don't even know. <laughs> um, but you can still find me. I'm there um, at MF Des Silva. Excellent. Well, you can, of course, find us uh, on Twitter at Real Bad Pod and on Instagram at Real Bad Pod. I got to put more just photos up on Instagram. I'm slacking. Uh, and then, of course, if you like what we do here, you can go to patreon.com slash Real Bad Pod and check us out there. A real big thanks to Black Duck Studios, I Love It Podcast, Candace, Sarah Caroline, and Anna Moss for supporting us on Patreon. Thank you so much. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to cageclub.me and check out podcasts like Cinemakers with Joey Lewandowski and Mike Manzi, where they chat about filmmakers' entire library. I'll be making a guest appearance on Cinemakers in a couple of weeks to talk about another Fide Alvarez film. And you can keep an eye on my Twitter for that. Next week, we're going back to hell. But until then, this has been Real Bad. Real Bad.